Wales, Persia, by Jerry Payton. Phonograph Cylinder 6, Our Mutual Foe. After breaking up with my fiancée, Celia, I never thought I'd look at another woman. But need brings together the sexes, establishing the most intimate, tender, and romantic ties. At least before all the pile-driving begins. I almost instigated one such union during my early days in Persia. As a doctor, I would occasionally have access to the fairer sex, though I never abused the trust of patients' husbands. Nor did I pound myself raw after such visits, despite the rumours. Colonel, I'm afraid Bell's fallen in love with the prince's wife, Golpari. The prince is divorced, isn't he? Separated, though he's had multiple wives. The order is, divorce, beheaded, alive, beheaded, beheaded, beheaded. I take it she's the middle one, alive. Golpari arrived last week, complaining of sickness. Belle jotted down some of what she said using phonetic spelling. His manservant managed to translate the lines, My bosoms are quivering with nervousness, unusual symptom, and... I wish to straddle your face like a rider in the saddle. Ah, she caught sight of Bill upon entering the village and his feigning illness is an excuse to meet. He is a pretty boy. He goes along with the pretense and sees her daily. That man is riding for a fall, especially with the prince's wife astride his face. A friend of mine knew someone who viewed the harem of a Persian merchant. After being allowed a glimpse of the ladies, this man was led to a dark cellar where another wife sat in seclusion. She'd been locked up on account of an affair she'd had, but she'd not been alone to begin with. Just before her incarceration, the merchant had lured her lover to the cellar and slit his throat. Crikey! With no food, she'd been forced to feed on his decaying remains. Again, crikey! Though after she'd eaten the corpse, she was in no fit state to be released from her chamber. She'd gone quite mad. From grief and solitude? No, for want of English mustard to accompany her meals. Of course it was from grief and solitude. That and eating human flesh. What shall we do? You tell Belle to put an end to his visits, or his visits will put an end to him. It's only a matter of time before the prince twigs, and then... Hey, if the prince suspects he's been nursing a serpent in his bosom, especially one who's been admiring his wife's bosom, it will indeed be the end of Belle. Are you quite all right, Roger? You're almost doubled up. All this talk of bosoms has left me nursing a serpent of my own. Sorry? You know, in my breeches. Your breeches? My tickle tail is standing proud. Oh, I see. Crikey, I see. It'll subside. Try reciting the dates of famous battles. Always works for me. His broom handle's still angry. Roger called at my abode and attempted to pace up and down while we awaited a mysterious visitor. As with his beard splitter, I was caught off guard when Roger presented his firm friend. Dr. Geoffrey Bell, Dr. Pontiac Rolex, the Pontiac Rolex, the renowned German explorer and archaeologist, Swiss originally, but for many years I am lecturing at the University of Halle. Pleased to meet you, Dr. Bell. Just call me Bell, as in Belltop. Yes, thank you, Roger. Then you shall call me Rolex. Now down to business. 
Where is the ancient parchment trotcher? If you'd care to inspect it at the table. What have we here? Hmm. Praise Lamik. This is a love poem composed by a woman. Few Persian women are literate. No composed for that matter. This is unique. What does it say? My mouth yearns for your meaty stick. A little something is lost in translation, I feel. Perhaps she means a kebab? Obviously, her beloved is a good cook. Well, that's one interpretation. And here she goes on. I long for you to churn my lady butter. Why would her sweetheart make butter? A milkmaid would do this task, no? Tell me, Roger. What is the provenance of this parchment? It's the real article, I assure you. Roger, why are you rubbing your lucky coin? Quiet. I will need some privacy to conduct a full examination. Until payment has been made, perhaps you'd care to conduct your translations here. Ha! Don't want me running off with the family silver. I'm pretty sure he sold that long ago. But you're welcome to stay with me, Rolex. Wunderbar. I take it you approve. No, your bar appears to be full of thunder. He's just pleased to see you. Anyway, we'll leave you alone to get started. Roger, a word, please. That poem is a forgery. A forgery? Habib has been teaching me Farsi, and even though that parchment is written in arcane script, I'd know his handwriting anywhere. Thousands must have had the same flourish. But unlike Habib, I doubt any substituted Worcester sauce for ink when their pen ran out. That parchment is covered in it. Own up, how does Habib even know ancient Persian? As you well know, he's a Zoroastrian. The scriptures use it, so he has a smattering of the lingo. I can't believe your nerve. And I can't believe Habib's. That poem he composed is a salty secured at ham. Wunderbar. You're a mistaken Rolex. My bar has now lost its wonder. Totally wilted. You've got to tell Rolex the poem is forged. Don't shed tears over that old soak. Rolex is one of the biggest crooks you'll ever meet. Which is saying something coming from you. Museums don't fill themselves, and he's mercenary in his dealings with them. But you can't have museums filled with counterfeit artefacts. Why ever not? Half the stuff they display is counterfeit. How would you know? I sell it to them. Well, Rolex does. I just source it. Quite literally. That parchment reeks of a certain condiment from Worcester. Look, if you don't tell him that document is false, I will. Ha, you won't. Not unless you want the prince to find out about you and his wife. You wouldn't dare. All's fair in love and war. And financial transactions. Gentlemen, I will resume my translation tomorrow. We must celebrate this great discovery. I have brought gift. Pardon my correction, but I think you meant to say gifts. No, gift is German for poison. Here, Roger. Some vines that I acquired on my travels. Why, um, thank you. And in appreciation of your exceptional hospitality, Belle. My word, a clock. How wonderful. I made it myself. It's a hobby of mine. I'm lost for words, Rolex. It's obviously worth a lot of money. I'm not sure. Since we can agree on a fair price, I'll give you a discount. But I... Don't worry, my dear friend. You can settle up later. The wine was warmly received and quickly rejected. Nevertheless, we celebrated into the night with my private supply. To my shame, I kept quiet about Roger's deception. 
because in a moment of clarity, I saw how our visitor could solve my problem with the prince's wife. I also wanted the satisfaction of knowing that our smug little German was about to be bamboozled. You have no idea how much I forked out for that clock. The following morning, Roger returned to Hammerdown, leaving Rolex to his work and leaving me to hatch my plan. I was wondering if you could do me a favour. Does this concern the problem we spoke of last night? You're still worried about that? As I explained, rubbing twice a day and if the dryness persists, wear bigger britches. Nein, the other problem. Ah, yes. The prince will be calling shortly. I have no intention of seeing his wife today. Might I ask you to attend her instead? But I am a doctor of history, not medicine. They're very similar. You look up old books. I stare up old nooks. My naivety could prove disastrous. It doesn't appear to have hindered you so far in life. Look, Golpari is feigning illness, so your lack of experience is irrelevant. Am I right in thinking you speak Farsi? A little, or should I say, un peu. That's French. I did say a little. Simply tell her you'll be attending her from now on. Ask her to describe her symptoms, and no matter what she says, prescribe this herbal remedy. Twining's tea. This is medicinal? Yes, just add two sugars and some milk. Without wishing to cause offence, Rolex, you're much older than I am. Gopari will soon tire of your presence, and no doubt will make a miraculous recovery. Ah, I see. She will receive a dose of her own medicine. No, just the twinings. And you are not concerned about this woman's feelings? Frankly, Rolex, I'm more concerned about having my throat cut from ear to ear in a dark cellar. Ah, you have been hearing the story about the wife being forced to eat her lover. You know it? It is, how you say, a bogey story. To warn Europeans not to cavort with other men's wives. So there's nothing to be concerned about? The prince would never feed your remains to his wife. Phew, that is a relief. No, he'd feed them to the dogs. Ah, I'm not sure I'm ready for that, Rolex. Then I'd better attend Golpari in your place. I'll need to look like a man of medicine. What about the leather bag? As I explained earlier, rubbing twice a day and if the dryness persists, wear bigger breeches. When the prince called, I informed him of the presence of my esteemed colleague, Dr. Rolex. I assured the prince that Rolex had superior knowledge with respect to his wife's complaint, which, like Rolex, was highly questionable. They left together, but what should have been a routine call lasted hours, much like those times when one senses gradual burning along Cupid's baton. My anxiety increased with every minute. Rolex, did I hear my name being called? Where on earth have you been? Your plan worked beautifully, but the prince insisted that I stay. It would have been impolite to refuse the milk of human kindness, and it's impolite to milk others' kindness. That's my twinings in your hand, and the packet looks almost empty. The prince demanded that I administer some to him. Administer? He said he had tummy cramps, so I gave him an enema. You gave the prince an enema? Don't worry, I included the milk and sugar. 
I found the funnel in the medical bag you lent me. But I don't own a funnel. Yes, you do, look. Crikey, that's my grandfather's wooden stethoscope. It has been passed down the generations. Passed up them by the look of it. You could at least have washed it afterwards. How on earth did you insert it? It was a stretch. I'm sure it was. I am not a medical doctor. I had to improvise. You didn't think to give the prince a cup to drink? You said nothing about drinking your herbal remedy. My grief. You didn't administer it in the same way to Gold Perry, did you? There was no need. She took one look at the funnel and that was enough to effect a full recovery. Do you think the prince will be all right? The two sugars will certainly keep him sweet. All that matters is that your problem with Golpari has been solved. And the prince is so pleased, he invites you to his house for a feast. So long as he's not serving my head on a plate. I am to be his guest of honor, and you are to attend in your medical capacity. The prince is sick. No, he expects you to read poetry. Poetry? Do I look like some oversensitive pasty-faced mollifop? Ah, I, I... well... I have difficulty tying my bootlaces, let alone stringing two words together. Poetry is taken very seriously in Persia. It imparts much joy, and many believe it to be like medicine. Well, it's certainly difficult to swallow in one helping. It heals the soul. The prince has had serious fari. Now he needs to be lifted up. I should think he needs to be sat down, what with that enemy you gave him. I barely speak Farsi. How am I expected to recite Persian poetry? You're not. The prince wants to hear your native English verse. But now I must visit Roger in Hamadan. We shall meet tonight at the prince's house. And you are to bring Habib. He's required for serving duties. Ah, yes, Habib. I'd like to serve him something. Hand me the twinings and my stethoscope. With the rest of the afternoon left to rehearse, I managed to recall some lines of verse from my youth. And, much like a young buck in the back room of a private members club, I delivered a strong performance when the time came. Dr. Bell, another poem if you please. Certainly, Prince Rock. Ahem. As Titty Mouse sat in the witty to spin, Pussy came by and popped his head in. Shall I come help and cut off your thread? Oh no, kind sir, you'll bite off my head. Bravo! That'll be all for now, Dr. Bell. Yes, we have a word for that type of poetry in Farsi. Oh, what is it? I couldn't possibly repeat it in polite company. Prince Rock, I hate to interrupt, but I have a request. Anything for you, Dr. Rolex. My insides haven't felt this calm in ages. Though since my treatment, I've had this mysterious craving for biscuits. Might I see that little thing your wife told me about? I appreciate that you're a medical man, Dr. Rolex, but my little thing remains firmly in my little undergarments. No, I meant the carved foil panel. Oh, she shouldn't have mentioned that. I keep it out of sight behind this curtain. It's a little risque, I'm afraid. I am a man of medicine. I assure you that nothing you show me can shock me. All right, then. Mein Gott, I did warn you. It's positively pornographic. It's utter filth. I um, keep it for uh, sentimental reasons. Yeah, according to legend, one of my ancestors took it from the wall of an Indian temple during the last conquests. Well, it certainly depicts conquest. 
Is that even physically possible? You'd have to be double-jointed. Erotic artwork is often encountered in medieval Indian temples. This type of wood carving was unique to those in the south. But this is no earlier than late 16th century. You're very knowledgeable, Dr. Rowlex. Uh, uh, should just a guess. Prince Rock, Captain Roger is here to see ya. Well, show him in, Habib. Good evening, everyone. Sorry to intrude. Prince Farouk, I have an important Beijings. We were just admiring this old Hindu panel, Roger. The workmanship is a little crude, to say nothing of the subject matter, but the overall composition is rather beautiful, don't you think? The fullness of the lady's bosoms, firm and nourishing. Are you quite all right, Roger? You appear to be doubled up. Absolutely fine. <laughs> 1066 Hastings, 1415 Agincourt, 1485 Bosworth Field. Is that a telegram sticking out of your pocket, Captain Roger? Crikey, let's hope so. Oh, yes, got a bit distracted, sorry. This came for you, Prince Farlock. It looks urgent. As do you, Roger. At least cover your fly with your hat. Nothing serious, I hope, Prince Farlock. I'm afraid I must withdraw from your company. The enemy is having a second wind. Wind and sudden showers by the feel of things. No, it's not that. The shower is on his deathbed. I've been summoned to the palace. Surely you can delay your journey until the morning. Time waits for now, man Rolex. The prince departed immediately and was gone for days. When he returned, he made straight for the telegraph office in Hamadan. However, the mood of the prince, much like an aged dog's loose stool, was black and rather caused a stink. Which one of you swine sent me on a wild goose chase? Was it you, Roger? You gave me that telegram. The shard isn't at death's door. Well, if he was, he's now swinging from death's bloody chandelier. I've never seen him better. Until he caught sight of me, that is. I'm supposed to be in exile. You've been duped, Prince Frock. The culprit must have been Rolex. But he's an honourable man. A doctor, no less. I'm afraid he's nothing but a history teacher. A history teacher? Is there no end to his wickedness? He must have stolen some heavy paper from our office when my back was turned. Written your fake telegram, then slipped it into the dispatch pile. Well, he certainly dispatched his pile. What a mess. Why would he do such a thing? I'm afraid we have some bad news, Prince Farrokh. Rolex has run off. Well, walked off. Yes, um, walked off with your wife. What? He left a note explaining everything. Actually, it's more of a contract. A contract? Yes, a copy of an agreement made between your wife and Rolex. In return for her passage. He better not have touched her passage. Her passage to Europe. And the promise of money to establish a kebab shop on the Strand in London. Call Paris signed over your Hindu carving. Look, her mark is at the bottom of the page. Why is she signed in Worcester sauce? And why the Strand? With respect to the latter, Rolex must have read out the address on my packet of twinings. Golpari probably thought it sounded exotic. The Strand. Fair dose, it does sound exotic. If it's any consolation, there doesn't appear to be a love interest between your wife and Rolex. It's purely a business arrangement. Definitely no wonder in his bar. Never mind her. What about my carving? Clearly this contract isn't worth the paper it's written on. It's not carved in stone, but then neither was your Hindu panel, which makes it light and easy to offload. 
But any museum would have to return it if I staked my claim, surely? Rolex will seek a private collector for the sale of your panel. Although historically important, no museum will touch it on account of the subject matter. It would raise too many eyebrows. It would raise a lot more than eyebrows. That was a family heirloom. Ah, oh, fine, that swine Rolex. We too have suffered losses. He disappeared with a newly acquired clock and an ancient document belonging to Roger. Ancient document? Luckily it was counterfeit and therefore of no value. Rolex will be disgraced if he tries to pass it off as genuine. He'll have to return to Switzerland to make clocks for a living. Ha! Ha! Yes, very good, Roger. It was if a croquet mallet had smacked us in the baubles. Rolex had hoodwinked us all. Although his consultation with Golpari had involved no funny business in the jig-a-jig sense, the pair had discussed funny business in the non-jig-a-jig sense. She'd informed him of the valuable carving, that settled terms for her escape to Europe, and the pair had made off in the prince's absence, Golpari's family recipe for goat kebabs in tow. I doubt she'd held any genuine affection for me. Colperry had been looking for a way out, and found it in the form of an aged Swiss archaeologist come clockmaker. An all-too-familiar story. I escorted the prince back to the village, but rather ominously, he insisted upon my entering his home. Step this way, please, Dr. Bell. Down these stairs? Where do they lead? Only to the cellar. Something awaits you down there. Look! I don't try my patience, Dr. Bell. Down you go. Stop. Here will do. I've suffered a terrible injustice, and there's only one way for me to release my anger and sadness. I I'm truly sorry for what happened, Prince Rock. I, I know I introduced you to Rolex, but there's no going back now. This has to be done. I see you. Just make it quick, would you? I'll turn my face to the wall while you get on with it. I understand. You want to make it easier for both of us? Fair enough. <laughs> oh. There you go. I was given this champagne by a French diplomat. Should get us legless. Don't tell anyone, though. My reputation will be ruined. Cheers. Who? Cheers. Persia was produced and performed by me, Jerry Payton. If you need to contact me, email bellspersia at gmail.com. Or one word, just leave out the apostrophe. And you can follow me on Twitter at bell underscore Persia.